0: Everybody, welcome once again to our Co-creation Nation podcast. I am your co-host Troy Blankenship. I'm with my side seat driver Lauren Hall. Lauren, how are you this morning?
1: Hey, Troy, doing so good. How about you?
0: Hey, I'm living the dream, man. Living the dream over here.
1: You didn't call me great. I, I I'm, am the I? The
0: great, the great. Yes, that's right. I yeah. You know what? It's it's such it's such a thing now. It's just like I just assume that I say it because I say it so often. So yes, I apologize. It's the great Lauren Hall.
1: Let me earn it. And then you can say that. No, you've
0: already earned it. No, you've already earned it.
1: Well, we'll see. I mean, I'm bringing um, a a personal friend who I really want to talk with you because not everybody is enthusiastic about hypnosis in the way that we are. And they don't have to be. That's okay. But I really want you to talk with my friends so that we can bring out probably some of the other skepticisms that people might have about hypnosis. I mean, we're, we're sold on it and it's, it's not because we're sellable. It's because of our personal experience in life and in our business and working with people with hypnosis.
0: Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. well, yeah, I mean, we, we have, you know, our respective practices and it's like, you know, if someone doesn't change, if someone doesn't see a result, if, if, if someone doesn't create a positive solution, that's when we start to perk our ears up and say, well, wait, what's, what's really going on here, right? Whereas I feel like outside of a hypnosis practice, it's kind of the opposite. People just assume that they're, whatever the issue is, they're just gonna have that, you know, and they go down the traditional route. And if that works for somebody, I mean, we always say it here, if, if the traditional route works for someone, more power to it. I think it's a, it's a good thing. You know, someone has to find out what's going to wind up working for them the best. But, you know, yeah. we just do things differently.
1: Yeah. And I had really great advice early in my career that was, there's so many people out there that want something that works that you don't need to go against people who just aren't even willing to consider it, you know, cause in, in North Carolina and some of the towns that I was in, I was the only hypnotist in town. So there was a lot of skepticism, a lot of mysticism, a lot of like You know, probably religious belief that this is some dark art or black magic and people just didn't want to be involved with it and instead of me taking that effort to uh, convince them instead I just you know I went for the low-hanging fruit the people who were like you know what I don't need to know if this is real or not I need to know if this works and let's try it because you've told me there's no negative side effects.
0: Right yeah I mean it's I mean, I put it this way and I understand someone says it doesn't make a lot of sense when I say it this way, but it's like hypnosis is such a natural aspect of who we are. It's such a natural characteristic of, of who we are as an individual. It's something that we do all the time, you know, whether we're watching TV, um, you know, whether we're having a conversation, whether we're, you know, going out on a first date, whether we're playing with our kids, it doesn't really matter. We're always in these hypnotic states. If someone comes to me for, you know, anxiety or stress or fear, and they've had this for the last 10 years or so, you can argue that they're already in a state of hypnosis because they're in this state of, you know, this repetition goes on and on and on. So I always say, you know, at this point, belief is not really necessary for the change to happen. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Now, that being said, I always say that it's better to have an open mind. You know, it's better to have the experience than not to understand, right, how this works and how this can work for you. But, you know, when it gets down to it, you know, somebody can come into my office. They may not even believe in what I do or believe in the testimonials that they've seen from my past clients. But if they just follow the steps and trust themselves and walk into their own empowerment, good things can come from that. Change can come from that. And so that's the open mind that I'm speaking about, right? It's not somebody has to come in and believe, you know, every single word I say, because it's not my life, it's their life, right? What are we changing for you? How am I helping you? That's the most important part.
1: Okay. So it's, it's more getting someone to be open-minded to the power that they could change.
0: Right. And they should already have the experiences because, you know, they already, I mean, you know, they've already experienced change in their life. I mean, there are certain foods that they used to eat that they probably don't eat anymore. There's probably shows they used to watch on television, which they don't watch anymore. I mean, you know, a a good example is Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers. (laughs) I used to watch Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers growing up. Do I watch Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers anymore? No, I don't. So there's, you know, someone can hang their hat on the fact that there always is going to be change in their life. And if they can understand that they're coming into a hypnosis practice to, you know, positively change different aspects of their life, then that can, you know, start to crack that door open a little bit more.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> so generalizing a little bit further out does make it probably more intangible for a skeptic to grab on and say, <clears throat> change is impossible because we know change is the only constant. Let's let's bring my friend on and see what he says about, uh, about what we're talking about. Now, friend, you are welcome to be anonymous. Um, And if you want to do that, then you just tell us stage name. I'll go
2: with Bill. That's always so popular.
1: Okay. Welcome, Bill. Thank you for being with us today. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Now, before we dive in, I don't want people to think I've just grabbed a friend off the street and want to ask questions about hypnosis. I mean, you have some experience with hypnosis. I mean, you considered hypnosis even before you met me.
2: I, I I've considered lots of different things uh, hypnosis being one of them uh, prior to even meeting you
0: mm-hmm.
2: and you know I you know I, as far as you know I'll stay right now I am a skeptical person however you know science does teach us the effect of the placebo so if we go from there um, everything's within us and any modality that helps us bring that power back to us. Um, it makes sense to me.
1: Okay. Yeah. So the placebo makes sense. And you think, uh, that we all already are in hypnotic states, like Troy was talking about, like we're in a trance state regularly throughout normal activity.
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, people have experience, you know, they drive to work and they have no recollection of driving there. That's a common thing. And um, just the way people act um, in a days mm-hmm. not really observing, not really being
0: present. Yeah, another another big one is, you know, when someone just loses track of time, you know, kind of piggybacking off the, uh, the drive to, um, you know, to work like you were mentioning. But it's kind of like, you know, one of those things where someone might be at work, for example, and they get so caught up in a project and they look at the time and it's like, well, where did the last two and a half hours go? Right. So we all all put ourselves in these types of states. It's very, very common.
2: Yeah, that's true. And for me, you know, the easiest way for me to time to drift is actually painting, not artistic painting, but just painting a wall is uh, for me when I get to do that, it actually turns into my best meditative practice. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, you know, because uh, we were talking before we hopped on here, you know, I, I even have my own clients come back to me and they say, you know, it's difficult to understand this process. It's difficult to wrap my mind around it because if I didn't have this experience, if I didn't see this change, if I didn't feel or experience this change myself, I don't know if I would believe it. I don't know if I would understand it, right? So it's, it's interesting to me. Because I never thought that I would, you know, getting into this practice and getting into this industry, I never thought that I'd have those types of conversations with people because I thought if I'm going to have someone come to me and they're going to see this change, they're going to understand it. They're going to, you know, walk around and they're going to say, hey, listen to my story. But that's not the case all the time. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's not. You know, it's interesting when I have these past conversations, you know, with, with my uh, previous clients and they'll say something like this, mm-hmm. you know i was talking to a friend and i was trying to explain them my experience i couldn't do this i couldn't drive down the road for example and now i can and they look at me like i've got you know two heads sometimes so it's you know, a good, a good example i was telling lauren about this too it's like you know you can tell someone all you want that a fire is going to be hot and you're going to get burned but unless someone actually gets burned they don't understand the experience they don't understand how hot that flame is so unless somebody comes in and sees the change and has the experience, in my opinion, it's it can be a difficult concept to wrap you know, your, your brain around to understand how this can happen so quickly and rapidly. Right. But again, especially over the last two decades, there's been a lot of research that has come out with neuroscience and brain science and cognitive psychology that explains just how your brain can change, just how your brain can wire and rewire itself. Mm -hmm. And getting back to your point, Bill, it's you're absolutely right that all of this change is in yourself. That's why, you know, for, for my practice, and Lauren does this too, it's all about having someone understand their own true personal power realizing their own true personal strength and walking into their own empowerment. Because it's, you know, when I'm working with somebody, when Lauren's working with somebody, it's like, we're just teachers. We're guides, right? We show someone the path and we tell someone to walk down this road. It's up to them if they want to do it. It's their life. It's their choice. Does that make sense?
2: Well, yeah, it does. Um, you know, I, I think maybe some people have a hard time understanding things that they're not used to like you said grabbing a hot pot is one effective communication of course uh, um, and being able to understand what was being told to them because everybody has their own perspective and when you say hot well that might the definition of hot is not as concrete as so yeah. it lends itself to that misunderstanding.
0: Yeah, it's subjective. It's subjective to the individual, and the other—I mean—the other reason is that you know—and that's why we started this whole podcast—is you know, we feel both Lauren and I feel that hypnosis has been—you know—there's this concept, there's this idea, there's this stigma about hypnosis where oh, it's just that silly, entertaining stage show thing, and that's all it is. You know, that—that's all it can ever be. You know, and and when someone, uh, in fact, I just had this conversation with someone I was like a week or so ago. Somebody was like, when are you going to bust out your pocket watch? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes.
0: I, I don't even own a pocket watch. You know, I mean, they just expect me to like hop on a, you know, a, a Zoom session with somebody with like spiral looking glasses, you know, and okay. say something silly like, oh, you're getting very sleepy. And that's just not how it works. That's just, I mean, that's, it's well, been I mean, almost made, it's all, it's been made fun of for so long. And there's this stigma behind it. And that's unfortunately what most people know about it and think about it.
1: Let me say, Troy, those techniques, the fixation, you know, the spirals, you know, swinging, um, objects, those do work. It's just, that's old school and we have evolved. We have so much more, um, awareness and intelligence now that, you know, hypnosis needs to evolve, uh, with the modern times. I want to tell you guys, so my skepticisms, you know, I wasn't always, um, open-minded to the power of hypnosis. I mean, you both know me pretty well and you probably think I am a pretty open-minded person, uh, but I'm a very science-based person. Like I really want to understand how things work. And when we think about how hypnosis works, it's elusive because it's, the mind is trying to understand the mind. It'd be like the eyes trying to see themselves, you know, just the mechanics um, are a little complicated. So I was reading books unintentionally about hypnosis, just some of the books that I was interested in for metaphysics and the, the power of motivation. I mean, I was in my own self-directed career at that time after corporate America. And, um, you know, to motivate myself and to organize teams, like I really wanted to know the best of the current science about mental hacking. And hypnosis kept coming up. And I thought, this is weird. You know, I thought hypnosis was something, you know, just for addiction or for stage shows. And not that I didn't think it didn't work, but I thought it only worked for a few people. I didn't think it would work for most people. And I thought it didn't work as much on highly intelligent people. So when I started to read that it was almost the opposite, that highly intelligent people are more accessible into that trance state where they can make um, behavioral change. I thought, wow, this is really interesting. I want to learn this for myself. I want to use this with my family, which of course, Troy, you know, like using it on personal friends and family can be more challenging than working on people, um, who come to you without knowing, you know, not having other relationships with you, you know, because okay.
0: well, and, and you know, you know why it's more challenging with friends and family? Cause you're not the expert.
1: Yep. Respect and rapport can be the, the starting part of that, um, Yep. of that trance state yeah yeah so i guess it's really just because of my experience now almost 10 years as a hit as a professional hypnotist and it just blows my mind that a really disciplined person who's maybe been struggling with addiction and so we know that they've tried to hypnotize themselves you know, away from that story, away from that addiction, but they've never been able to, uh, to finish it or else why would they be at the hypnosis session? And then they show up to work with me. And after a couple of sessions, it's like that thing is just faded away and they don't have to use willpower. You know, it's not like they say for smoking, they don't have to avoid their friends that smoke. You know, it's not like they can't uh, be at a bar because that was one of their triggers, you know, having a drink and having a cigarette. It's like cigarettes just faded away without any sort of, um, pain Mm -hmm. just by this power of you know effective communication like bill said so it's very convincing for me just because of my like firsthand experience as a hypnotic operator so bill maybe you should be a hypnotist
2: well thank you for that um (laughs) i'll put that on the list (laughs) i don't know if i have the uh Interpersonal skills. Uh, sometimes people think I come off a little too straightforward.
1: Well, you were an engineer. I mean, you know, so that's, that can attest to some of that straightforwardness. And I've worked with a lot of engineers as clients. Um, and they're really great subjects because they, they can really compartmentalize and, and, and follow instructions in sort of a straight line. That's cool. uh,
2: Most people like that. More like that. Me following instructions—that's—I try to forge my own path, and that might be some of my problems I've had with seeking um,
0: help. So, Bill, I'm just curious. What what kind of questions did you have for us? Because we brought you on here, and we just kind of want to have a, a conversation and discussion with you. And you know, I, we're just we're just kind of curious. You know, what what you kind of had for us? What what kind of ideas or questions you had for the two of us?
2: Well, I thought it was kind of interesting what Lauren just said about, um, you know, her surprise that the higher end of the intelligence spectrum uh, that people fall into are actually easier to be hypnotized. And um, I'm surprised by that. Um, I'm kind of trying to think of why that is.
1: Mm hmm. I have an opinion on it, and it's because in hypnosis, you are you are creating non tangible imagery, and if you have, you know, uh, I don't want to say more focus or more creativity because there's a lot of people that I work with that are, you know, maybe even have like ADHD or um, are, are telling me they have no creative abilities, and they are still. Uh, highly suggestible in hypnosis, because, you know, they they follow instructions, they allow themselves to be submerged to um, the creative story that I'm, you know, using, right, I've taken over their reins to help hypnotize them, even though it's a participation, that they're being hypnotized uh, truly by themselves, truly by their own uh, willingness to follow along to the best of their ability. I mean, sometimes, you know, people get so relaxed, they fall asleep, more times they feel in between that being asleep and being awake state. But a person who's able to make complex images in their mind, they're going to use my story and compound it. Um, And I tell people, you know, when I'm using imagery, like say my imagery is I've taken you to a beach and I'm saying, you're know, you walking on the sand uh, and you see the clouds. I mean, it's your imagination. You're in control. If you'd rather be on a mountain, um, by a stream, and it's night, you know, under the stars, I'm not going to know what's going on in your head. And that imagery really isn't even a detail uh, that is making the effect. It's the subconscious emotional state. And in that emotional opportunity, my tactic is I'm always resourcing. I'm either bringing resources in to you know, support the experience that you want to feel, or I'm creating opportunities for you to remove the problem, right? Maybe there's a box and you throw all your problems into that box and then you throw that box off the cliff or you, you, know, you throw it into the ocean. So does that make sense where a person with higher intelligence has um, a little more tangible presence in that state?
2: No, um, I I still don't, I I don't see that relationship. Um, so it's my understanding, um, you know, more of a spiritual realm is dis disengaging your mind so your self can find its own answers and get the mind and the ego out of the way. And I had assumed, like meditation, I believe that's meditate that's how meditation works. But um, I thought hypnosis would, would be just that is turning off the mind to allow it to be reprogrammed into different thought patterns. Um, that's how I thought it would work.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I would say, I would say that's probably how a lot of people it think, think it works. Okay. Yeah. So how does it not work that way? So, well, so in my experience, in, in my practice, when somebody comes in for me, right, someone thinks the way that you just talked about there, someone thinks, oh, I'm just going to kind of fall asleep, and you're going to do whatever you're going to do, and I'm going to come to at the end of it, and I'm going to be fixed, There's all going to be better, right? Right. That's kind of the idea behind it, because they've seen the stage show, right? They think they, they see the pocket watch, they see the spiral glasses, you know, they have people saying, oh, you're going to get very sleepy. So people just assume that that's how it is. My counter to that is when someone comes in and works with me, it's about showing somebody how powerful they are. If they're not in control of this experience, how can they possibly change? If they wind up falling asleep, how can they possibly learn anything to change? Does that make sense? They have to be consciously aware, but relaxed enough where the suggestions that we present are going into their unconscious mind, but they are in control of the process because in my, in my market, anxiety is a unconscious program. So somebody can do all the conscious stuff that they want, you know, whether it's meditation, although that can slide into unconscious a little bit, but meditation, eating right, exercising, breathing techniques, affirmations, right. But they're not getting deep enough to the unconscious patterns and the unconscious programs, It's a copy and a paste. What is the thing that's making you feel anxious, right? And how do you wanna feel instead? It's allowing your brain to understand the correlation and make the change. You have to be awake for this process. You have to be aware of this process. Just like you and I are having a conversation right now, it's the same process in hypnosis. We're having a conversation, when somebody comes in with me, I'm not dropping them down. And that's, that's the great thing about different styles and different you know variables. Lauren has a different style than me, but I can tell you three quarters of my session. Most of my session is just having a conversation with somebody because it's called conversational hypnosis. We have to allow your brain to understand the correlation and make the change between what you don't want anymore and what you do. And the fact that somebody comes in and they've had anxiety for the past 15 years, it's become, it's, it's become a habit. It's become habitual, right? Someone has, has convinced themselves that they need to have their panic attacks every single day and wake up at two in the morning every single day, and they have this just unpleasantness, and they think that that's just how they need to live. But getting back to what we were saying about before, you know, the congruence, somebody coming in and raising their hand and saying, I want to work with you, is enough to have someone have that open mind, that change is possible. Basically, what they're doing is they're telling themselves that they're tired of feeling like this and they want to feel freedom. They want to have relief. They want to have this positive change. And in my opinion and in my experience, the only way that someone's going to achieve that is if they show their brain something different and they have to be in control of that experience because if they're not, they're leaving it to chance. They're already out of control when somebody comes in because the anxiety is living their life for them. The panic is living their life for them. They've lost control. So this is a, and this is a process about you getting back in control of the experience and showing your brain how you want to feel instead. That's where the change happens. Does that make sense?
2: Uh, the desired outcome makes hundred percent sense to me. I agree with that totally. Um, perhaps you could explain to me, you know, as far as being present during the hypnosis session fully, How about subliminal messaging, marketing, mm-hmm. uh, other things that make people do things that they don't normally do, or at least do things that they're not even aware that they're doing and being affected by? And subliminal marketing, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of study in that, a lot of yeah. things you can look at that makes that it's absolutely a real thing and those people aren't mentally engaged it seems to be more subconscious and that's why i'm, I'm having a hard time with uh, thinking of hypnosis not being for the practitioners to just dive right in directly to the subconscious once they remove the mind out of the way
0: so real quick i, I think lauren would be great for this but real quick understand that someone is not in control when they're being subliminally spammed does that make sense they're not in control of that process. The only reason the only, the only reason why they know that they have a subliminal message is because someone has told them after the fact, oh, you're buying this product because of right. this. You're doing this because of that. The difference is in hypnosis, someone is clearly understanding of the reason why they're coming to you and they're making that change. Does that make sense? So there's a difference between control and lack thereof, but I'll let Lauren take it.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Troy. I've got so much. I want to say on this. Um, and I loved what you were saying, Troy and Bill, I love what you're bringing up because I know a lot of people, uh, they have this interpretation of hypnosis. So think about when the conscious mind is out of the forefront, that does not mean people are in a, a zombie asleep, you know, non-present, uh, state. It's, it's almost the reverse. Um, So when we are sleeping, you know, at at night, hopefully, if you're getting good sleep, there are parts of your brain that have become active that are normally not active. So really, a lot of people are living in such a emotionally numb uh, repetition of life that their brain is, in a sense, asleep. So what Troy and I are using hypnosis to do is to wake back up parts of the brain where a person can feel in their own control so they don't have this subliminal, you know, marketing, right, uh, society's plan um, as as the hypnotist that's hypnotizing them. Instead, they become their own hypnotists. The subconscious does not use English or logic. You know, it, it doesn't use the complexity of, of language, you know, if this, then that, because it doesn't multitask with um contrasting ideas right it either is or it's not so if you think non-smoking then you're just seeing uh, an image of you or other people smoking you're not seeing an image of not smoking because that would be an image then of good breathing or great health or whatever you you know associate to so you only see one image in your subconscious at a time and when you are using uh, subliminals to influence a person's subconscious, then you want to uh, excite their emotional state, right? The, the pleasure and pain model. And you want to be repetitive. The subconscious, we believe, is like a child, you know, a, um, not in its naivety, but in its simplicity. So you want a, a simple message that is generating some emotion, and then you just repeat that. And you could use a lot of different techniques or in hypnosis, there's a technique called the direct drive and the direct drive, what would be, you know, 10 to 30 times of really just iterating in even maybe in one session, but usually you would, might have a couple of sessions where you just direct drive in whatever message. And because that message is simple and it's, um, geared towards an emotional state. I mean, most hypnotists are using positive psychology, but some use aversion um, right off the bat. I'll use aversion, which is, uh, it's, it's not a negative image, but it associates maybe something they're addicted to in a negative way, right? Like cigarettes taste like, I don't know, rotten fish, you know, it, and I'll use that after I've used uh, that technique. I was talking about resource allocation if somebody's being stubborn or if they're having um no results or if they uh are being you know m- maybe combative to say, well you need to hypnotize me. And I'm I'm had you know meant to instead share the responsibilities of we together are hypnotizing uh, and rehypnotizing and dehypnotizing that story that you are somehow addicted to this thing because uh the body chemistry can change really quickly, like our taste buds, um, our perspectives, right? Our memories are always changing. So there's no definitive way that you have to be, but if you want to continue to change and be a similar model as to what you have been, you have the power, right? That's me and Troy's model. You you guys, we each have our own power in our hands. Um, some people might feel angry about that because they would instead want to blame somebody else for where they are in their life. and And that's okay. Uh, to have that emotion we can imagine children would have emotions similar to that so it's not to say you're wrong exercise your subconscious and um, I don't know I I hope that that those different points like concluded together into a a larger point let's check in Bill did that what does that make you think
2: yeah, it's not what I wanted to hear because, you know, I want to go to a hypnotist and them do it. Right. Them fix me. Um, I've been trying to fix my, you know, get to a better place, um, improve my emotional stability. Um, it's not easy. And people like easy, and I'm no exception. So, yeah, that. Why, I, I'm
0: just curious, but Why do you feel like it's not easy?
2: um because i haven't succeeded
0: in accomplishing what, you, what i want to be i understand what have you done so far up to this point though to put yourself you know to, to get over all this
2: well i've seen many practitioners of many different disciplines okay broad spectrum uh ones that were highly thought of in their field that i mm-hmm. got to know
0: traditional um, traditional
2: no well so, that everything okay uh, I don't there isn't anything I don't think I've tried. That's at least in the normal, well, not normal, but that's known to me. I have definitely tried.
0: Have you done hypnosis? Yeah. Okay. And was it, what what kind of, I'm just curious, what was the experience with hypnosis? Kind of the, the 30,000 foot view. Um,
2: I didn't feel like I was hypnotized. Um, Mm -hmm been a couple times with two different practitioners
0: Mm
2: -hmm. it's pretty much the same um i mean i've I've been to a psychiatrist and you know i hear them talk and i get about i had about the same effect as anything else i've tried
0: yeah well i would say i would say the brain likes easy right Yes. That's how the brain learns the best. It, it loves easy, right? So when you, when you, I mean, look, we all break habits and make habits all day long. We're just not consciously aware of all of those habits. We're only be, we only become aware of a habit when it impacts our lives, whether positively or negatively. So when you say, you know, it's, it's not easy, I would agree with you based upon your experience. If you've tried all these things and it hasn't happened, right? But here's the thing. When I have somebody come to me in my practice, they've been dealing with anxiety for, let's say, 20 years, right? They're still at a point where they feel like they can do something about this issue to get past it. So in a way, they're still having belief in themselves because they feel, even if it's an ounce of empowerment left in them, they really feel like they have the ability to do that, right? So the brain likes easy. That's how these are designed. I mean, I can't speak for anyone else that you went to, right? I can't even speak for Lauren's practice. But for me, it's we design this to make it easy for your brain to understand this concept of change because it's you that's doing it. I I haven't said this story for a long time, but I'll say it here. It's like you're in the driver's seat and I'm in the passenger seat, right? And you can decide where we're going to go in this car. You can make the left turns. You can make the right turns. You can hop on the highway and go at 100 miles an hour if you want. And I have a map. I'm your navigator, right? And I'm telling you how you can get to your destination. I'm telling you the best possible way to reach this result and reach this solution. But it's up to you, because you're behind the wheel, to get us to that point. And you can make the beeline for this destination, or you can take the side roads, man. It's all up to you. So I haven't said this story for a long time in my sessions. I used to say it a long time ago. And people could understand that because they're like, well, I've done all these things. I've tried all these things. And maybe I was taking a different road or maybe I was taking a different road that wasn't leading me to where I want to go. So when you sit here and tell me and tell Lauren that you're not where you want to be, it's just you have to change the road. You have to understand and get your brain behind the fact that, you know what? Change is easy. You know, in the market that I work in, the change work that I do, this is how the brain likes to learn. This is how the brain makes habits. It creates habits this way. So it's just a little bit of tweaking, a little bit of amending, right? But the fact that you're still searching and still looking for a solution tells me that you have great character. It tells me that you're still looking because you believe in yourself. And so getting back a couple minutes ago to, you know, is belief necessary, is belief not necessary? I argue that the belief is necessary for yourself. You don't have to believe in the practice. You don't have to believe in hypnosis in general, the theory of hypnosis and what hypnosis does. You just have to believe in yourself to create the change. Because you said it yourself, right right from the very onset, is you believe that all this change is possible because it's already inside of us. And that's exactly what Lauren and I do. We empower the individual to understand this positive change and then walk into their own power. Does that make sense?
2: Yes. Yeah. So I, I'd like to have that map. Right of course. I think, that's the, I think well, yeah, that's the part I'd I'd love to receive. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, well what if you and a hypnotist made a map like that together, right? Because then it would be the um, the childlike self making that map and not the adult you know analyst who's who's going to say oh this map has to have uh, a lot of winding roads and potholes and whatever other traps you know that we might think our map of life has <clears throat> trey i wanted to ask so it sounds similar to what i hear some people ask me when they find out i'm a hypnotist and they're like can you hypnotize me to be happy can you hypnotize me to be confident right yeah. and it's like we can use hypnosis you already are even before you work with the hypnotist um to feel feelings but to be a feeling you know to have your entire life as you being that category of happy like that's a very uh distant intangible state because your brain doesn't want that state because that that state is almost emotionless Mm -hmm. because you need contrast in order for your brain to have perspective and depth So I will say when I'm hypnotizing people for goals like that, happiness and confidence, is that I'm creating resources for that experience to happen more and more in their daily life. And it's almost like you're in the experience now of being more happy and more confident, but it's only as you look backwards and then you think, wow, I do actually feel different. And what I've even heard people say is, I don't know if it's the hypnosis that had me feeling this different way. I just feel different. They yeah. feel what they feel right in that present moment. And so they're kind of like, maybe I've always felt like this. And I'm not going to bring back my notes and and, um, and argue with them and say, oh, you know, you told me last week that you've never felt happy. You know, you've never been confident in your entire life. I'm not going to tell them that if they're saying they feel this way now and they feel like maybe they've always felt that way. I maybe mean, you had people where it's like that. It's It's a hard it's a hard convincer to pin down to say, you know, hypnosis is a tool that you're now using just a little bit better. And this is why you feel better, but it's, it's not a a night and day change that we can go back and, and congratulate hypnosis as having helped you achieved. And this to my, this is my opinion guys on why hypnosis is like one of the oldest therapies. And it's not one of the most used therapies. I mean, there's probably less than 10,000 hypnotists in the whole world. There's maybe 10,000, you know, massage therapists, which, you know, 20 years ago, wasn't that common. Um, but now it is. And now we understand the power of touch and and everything that happens in our body, as far as like circulation and even emotions in our body. So I expect hypnosis will be on the rise. But what do you think, Troy, do you think that that, that kind of helps to Bill's point on, you know, what hypnosis Is as far as giving like tangible evidence that it works?
0: Well, there, I would say that there's a huge, massive difference between positive thought and positive feeling. Does that make sense? There's a big difference between just thinking a positive thought and there's, you know, and and actually feeling how you want to feel. It's all about making sure that you embody the change, right? If you just have a thought, it's difficult to embody that thought. Somebody can say, you know, I I want to feel happy. But what does that mean? If somebody, you know, embodies and allows their brain to try on, how does it feel? When I'm happy, where do I feel it in my body? How do I know I'm happy? Right? How does it move in my body? How do I know how I'm happy when I walk out my door? And you allow someone to try on this feeling of happiness or confidence or whatever it is, it's a big difference. And the brain will understand that a lot better and a lot more easy than just a positive thought. That's why, you know, getting back to Bill's point, it's, you know, when you have affirmations, I mean, I'm not saying I don't believe in them, but there's a time and a place for them. And if somebody comes to me and they have anxiety or stress or fear, right? It's like if they're, be, if they're doing affirmations, it's like all they're doing is they're throwing a Band-Aid on an issue that needs to be addressed a lot deeper. So how do you do it? In my opinion, it's you have to associate someone into the problem state so they feel it. Mm-hmm. Right? And mm-hmm. then you disassociate in terms of, well, how do you want to feel instead? I mean, this is, this is the 30,000-foot view of the process, right? I mean, that's that's a really quick way on how, to under, on how to get someone to understand this process of you have to feel how you don't wanna feel. And now how do you wanna feel instead? Because that's language that the brain can interpret. That's language that the brain can understand. And that's where the change work happens. So that's why somebody can come in and they can see results after the first session.
1: Mm-hmm. That's why
0: someone can see a total transformation within after two to three sessions. And these sessions aren't long, right? It's 60 minutes, 90 minutes. But I'll tell you this too. The work happens. The change happens in between those sessions. I tell this to all my clients. You take five to 10 minutes every single day and you do some self-hypnosis and you continue to condition in this new thought, this new feeling, this new pattern, this new program. And your brain has to change because that's how the brain is designed to work. That's how the brain generalizes change. Your brain doesn't care if you have good habits or bad habits. Your brain is very non-judgmental. You care, but your brain doesn't. Your brain's one job is to learn, and it does it very, very well. So it's your job and your responsibility to show your brain how you want to feel, how you want to think, how you want to be. Your brain has to change because, again, you're teaching it something. That's how you get back in control of the entire process. That's... Basically my explanation, if someone was to come to me and ask me that question.
1: Thank you. That was great. I loved it. That was very clear for me. Um, And and it helped me really see where, you know, Bill's probably coming from ahead of him even trying hypnosis. You know, you watch a stage show and you see, you know, an audience with, you know, just a 90 minute, one-time thing. And some of the people on the stage are, you know, experiencing walking on dead uh, or not dead, but hot coals They're, you know, I've seen somewhere they're putting needles in their arms, right. They're drinking vinegar. Um, it tastes like water. Like they're doing these off the wall, dramatic things, but that's not a lasting suggestion. You know, at the end of that show and the next day, these people aren't still drinking vinegar and thinking it tastes like water. Like, you mm. know, the hypnotist has used a lot of uh, compounding convincers, right? To sort of screen who's on the stage and to move people off the stage if they aren't complying. There's the whole group think element. You know, it compounds that even more as far as being willing to participate and follow the authority.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so this isn't what people like me and Troy are doing in our office. So it's a more subtle entry into navigating lasting uh, emotional shifts, because most people feel overwhelmed by the, the stress or self-image of you know their life. And so we move them in the right direction. And then it just starts to snowball into now all of a sudden, they feel like a different person, but they don't recognize when that exact step happened. Um, now, athletes, I think, are a good example, too, because we understand the neuroscience of when an athlete sees themselves moving through their their sport or their game or their practice, then the body has experienced it because the body really can't tell the difference of when it's experienced in the subconscious or when it's happening out in, in real life. Does that seem to bring more idea on on hypnotism as a, a way that you can understand that it's a real phenomenon, Bill, or or what do you think?
2: I, I, I think it's a real phenomenon. Um. I mean, it makes sense. I would just like it to work for me. Um, Maybe I just, I'm not putting the required effort into the past. As a, you know, when I go to a a doctor, you know, I go to him, my knee hurts, fix it. Um, I guess I had that preconceived notion of hypnotist working in the same manner. And not just hypnotist, but um, any profession that helps other people.
0: Okay. I would say, Bill, it's it may not be your effort. It may be okay. your direction. Be what? It might I said it might not be his effort because he clearly wants to get over whatever he wants to get over, in my opinion. It might be his direction. Just like, you know, getting back into the car with the map and getting getting behind the wheel. Does that make sense? It's not okay. the effort. I mean, some somebody can come to me and they've had anxiety for 20 years. It doesn't mean that they haven't tried. It doesn't mean they haven't put in the effort they just maybe the direction just wasn't right for them maybe it wasn't a good fit for them maybe they need to figure something else out I mean I mean I I don't know if uh, I can say I'm normally the last resort for a lot of people you know they've done everything that, that they can think of before they come to me that's just normally how it is you know they've done traditional they've done talk therapy they've done acupressure they've done acupuncture I mean it's you know And I get it because that was me too. That was me at one point. You know, I I had done everything. I mean, I had anxiety at one point. I mean, everyone knows that by now, I'm sure. Uh, You know, and so it's just like one of those things where it's like, you know, what do I have to lose? No one told me about hypnosis. i never dreamed that I was going to have a a profession in hypnosis, Mm -hmm. but you know, it worked for me. I mean, my doctors wanted me to go on medicine. I just didn't feel like it was right for me. So I said, no, I had done everything that you can think of. So I, I had done it. It was, you know, when, when I look back at my experience, it was my direction. It wasn't that I didn't want to get over it. I did. Who wants to live another day with anxiety? Nobody.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, you want to get back to you. And so I did hypnosis and now I believed in it so much that, you know, hey, this is what I do for a living. But it was the direction. No one told me my direction. I, I, I felt like there was going to be, you know, I, I, I was like, there has to be a better way. There has to be a better way than this. And so I did my own research and I found this out. And now we have a podcast, which I work with the great Lauren Hall. I have to remember to say that now. The great Lauren Hall.
1: Have, no, you don't have to remember it. <laughs> you just didn't say it. And I thought, oh, no.
0: <laughs> but it's, 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 the, it's the direction, in, in my opinion, right? Because I see it very frequently in my, in my practice. You know, someone comes with 10, 10 years, 15 years of anxiety. It's not because they, don't, they, they haven't tried. It's not because they haven't put forth the effort.
2: That map would be great. Again, going back to that analogy.
1: Well, you do have a friend as a hypnotist. What if we, uh, maybe we make that map out and and bring you back for a part two.
2: That'd be great. Um, I'm all about uh, a good direction.
1: That sounds good. Well, I appreciate you talking with us to, um, to really just bring to light you know, some of the other thoughts people out there have, I mean, Troy and I both were skeptic of hypnosis, and now you know, we've got a podcast talking about hypnosis. Um, not that we have to turn everybody out there, uh, but let's just get the conversation started. Let's bring out the ideas, and if you have experience, um, then that's even better because then you you know you really are open minded to it. you just you wish it were maybe um, a magic wand. and I have I mean, it it's this weird. Um, subtlety, because in a way it it is like a bit of magic that, that I observe, you know, as far as like, you know, behavioral change and, and just people's self-image changing after what feels like, you know, maybe a meditation or a bedtime story, or just a regular conversation. So it's a bit of magic like that, but, you know, hypnotists, um, or at least me and Troy aren't claiming that we've got the magic, you come and sit in our chair, and then we just fix you up. and, uh, And, and that's all it is, you know.
0: I, I always say, and, and I mean I always say this, right? Someone someone needs to be tenacious. Someone needs to be tenacious with making sure they change the course of their life. Right? Because here, here's what happens. When when you learn integrative with these integrative tools, when you learn these integrative strategies, anxiety becomes a choice. Because now you know what to do to get out of the unwanted negative emotional state. Does that make sense? It's something that you can now choose to do or not do, but it's still your choice, right? I've worked with people that have put that to use and they've done the 10 minutes or 15 minutes of conditioning every single day to make that their reality, to train their brain and show their brain that there's a better path available to me. And I've also worked with people that don't put in the work. They don't want to make the change for whatever reason. It's their life, they can choose to live it in whatever way they want. And if they wanna continue living with anxiety, great. That's on them, that's their decision. If somebody wants to put through the direction and, and, and put in the right effort to make a change and to show their brain something different, they can now choose that because now anxiety isn't something that you just simply, you know, it, it's, it's not something, we're all gonna have anxiety, right? We all live on planet earth, we all have anxious moments. It's how you react to it that makes the big difference, right? Mm-hmm. And again, it's not just anxiety; it's any negative emotional state.
1: Feeling, yeah, we want to. We want that. I mean, I don't want to exclude feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe terror. I don't know, but people, you know, people love scary movies. So maybe you, you choose the emotions that you want to experience. But your body, the chemistry in your brain, it wants to be um, as much on, you know, capable of, of the spectrum is what exists and new ranges of emotions. I mean, this is what we're talking about with PTSD. Now that people who have had, who have had traumatic experiences, which really is every person, every brain, every child who hears a parent raise their voice or, you know, put them down. Um, that's a trauma. And so all of those traumas have enriched our emotional capacity. So you don't want to not have these emotions. You want to have the power to get past emotions that you don't enjoy. And so I don't want people to think that the effort takes a lot of energy. You know, when you're coming to a hypnotist or like Bill has done, when you when you show up and say yes, I mean, that in a sense is a contract, right? Troy, don't you call it the hypnotic contract? It doesn't have to be a paperwork. It's an agreement um that you are ready you are ready to let go of holding on to the past problems because that has taken effort that takes more effort than the uh the real solution state because your body wants to feel at peace it's it's
0: the same it's they're they're making if you want to call it a contract it's the same it's the contract they're making with themselves it's the same congruence as somebody's going to raise their hand at a stage hypnotism show and say i want to hop i want to be up on stage it's the same thing Mm -hmm. it's congruence it's someone raising their hand at the stage hypnotism show saying hey this would be fun this would be great to experience. If somebody says, hey, I'm ready to overcome anxiety and they take that first step to reach out to me or to reach out to you, Lauren, for example, mm-hmm. they are believing in themselves. So if you want to call it a contract, I think that's a fair word for it. But they're making that contract with themselves because, again, they believe that there's a better reality for them moving forward. So, yes, I agree. When someone does that, that's, it's a signal to me that at least they're open-minded to the experience.
1: All right, Bill, we'll look at your contract then. Super.
2: You know, everybody loves these contracts, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, living my life to the fullest.
1: Yes. Well, thank you so much for bringing your your questions and experience, and uh, we'll we'll bring you back on after after your contract and roadmap and and life change are uh, visceral for you. So stay tuned, guys, out there listening, and uh, thanks for your time with us today. You can check thank us you, out. Yeah. Thank
2: you, Lauren, thanks, Troy. It's nice meeting you, Troy. And um, thank you.
1: Thank you, Bill. All right, guys. Well, Co Creation Nation, uh, go on to Facebook for more exclusive tips and videos you can And we'll be back uh, soon with more guests. Take care, everybody.